Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I have a virus. What kind? It attacks my immunity. How are the new pills? Better. I'll never live to be older than 16. The moon rock, do you know you can see it from space? If you go there, it can heal your sickness. You know, we've been through this one day. It's too far, it's too expensive, and where would we find the time? Tyler. I'm Monday. What's his name? Rabbit 2. Yeah, that's the worst name I've ever heard. I could come with you. Why do you want to go to this moon rock so bad? It can heal you if you're sick. It'll make my dad happy. My daughter was kidnapped. The other passengers on the train said that the girl went willingly. Listen, she needs medication or she could die. So where is she? Where is she? How do you know if you can trust a hunt? Oh, you can't. Well, I trust you. I feel like I've been looking out the back window my whole life. Dad doesn't believe in heaven. Well, it's still there. Will you get to go? Uh, probably not. Why? Because there's some rules to life, and I broke them. You've got it. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 341. Releasing on the 22nd of April in Australian cinemas is Moon Rock for Monday, an indie drama that tells the story of a terminally ill nine-year-old girl named Monday who befriends a fugitive teen boy named Tyler. The pair develop an unbreakable bond when they go on the run to the Northern Territory, where Monday believes Uluru will heal her a bittersweet road trip story featuring impressive performances in stunning locations. Moon Rock for Monday also marks the feature film debut of Kurt Martin, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. Kurt, I thank you very much for your time today. Cool, thank you for having me. So it's really interesting, just reading up about this film and, and yourself, I read that when you were a kid, you actually had really bad eyesight. In fact, I think you said you had like cataracts and that kind of experience you had when you were a kid it was kind of like planted the seed for the movie that people are about to watch on Thursday how, how is that how does that kind of one thing connect to the other um so yeah I guess I had a cataract cataracts myopia um yeah I had a lot going on with my eyes and um I guess um you know when I was a kid we, we lived by the ocean you know um and dad would always kind of say you know you fall off of your skateboard or if you bike you get a cut you know you jump in the ocean and, and the salt water is really good for your um cuts and wounds yeah. and i guess like in my head i kind of just started thinking um you know if i jump in the water and open up my eyes under the salt water it it, it, it kind of make it better like mm-hmm. i get this twisted thing in my head and i always come out of the water with like bloodshot red eyes and mum would be like what are you doing what are you thinking yeah but um 
I guess for me, that was about healing. You know, we, we get these things in our heads that, you know, and Monday kind of gets in her head that she can get to this moon rock and that's going to make her better. Um, so I guess, I guess that's where the kind of inception started for me. How did that kind of develop into this road trip movie between Monday and The Fugitive Teen? How did that kind of all come together? Was that something that your producer um, uh, worked with you? Uh, yeah, I work with Jimmy a lot. He helps a lot with the kind of stuff. Um, but it was always going to be, um, like, I, lo I love relationships, you know. I love seeing two characters come together or fight off each other. And, and so I guess really for me it was about um, the, the character's relationship. And just to confirm for everyone out there, the producer's name is Jim Robertson. He's actually done some really cool stuff lately. Our Danger Close was a big fan of um, that he did a couple of years ago as well. Um, really interesting about the casting process of this movie. Um, took you two years to find your leads. Um, and I, I imagine that finding someone to play the role of Monday would have been really, uh, really difficult. And you found someone who I fit thought was just terrific in Ashlyn Loudon Gamble. Um, what was it like doing the whole process and how did you know that Ashlyn was the one for this role? Yeah, yeah you kind of hit the nail on the head, didn't you? Like, you kind of think getting, casting a 10-year-old girl would be the, um, what as a 10-year-old child would be really, really difficult. And we had so many um, audition tapes, but kind of as soon as I saw Ashlyn's tape, I just knew it was her. Um, and then we met her in person um, and she came and, and she did like one of the more difficult scenes where she kind of had to get emotional and cry. Mm. And, um, and she, and she, you know, she did it, she nailed it, but then she wasn't just crying. She was trying to stop herself from crying. And I, I don't know. I, I was kind of thought that that was acting. Like I just kind of thought that she, you know, and, and, and she's Monday through and through. She's really kind of quirky and, and awesome. Like I'd really encourage her to kind of, add extra lines of dialogue and stuff. I think there's a line in there that um, I love rainbows or what's your favorite color? And she, she, she says rainbows. And that was completely mm. just her kind of just embodied the character of, um, of Monday. On the other side, you have George Pula who plays the role of uh, Tyler. Um, he's gone on to do some really cool stuff. He's been in the US doing some different series, um, TV series over there. Um, when you met George, how, how does it work in regards to pairing someone up with someone as young as, as Ashlyn? I mean, when you meet George, um, is he cast first? Is Ashlyn cast before him? Who, who do you actually try to match together? Um, um, are, you, are they cast at the same time? Do you have one before the other? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, we, I guess we were always kind of pushing towards George. Um, I, when I first saw him, I kind of thought there's no way this guy can play this role of Tyler because he's, you know, have you seen him? He's, he's so good looking. He's beautifully tanned. He's got long blonde wisps of hair and he's, you know, he's, he's built really strong. And I was like, no one's going to believe this beautiful human is, um, is, is Tyler. And he's, and he's so intelligent to speak to. But um, when he, he lost 10 kilos for the performance, he shaved his hair. And, um, and he started kind of wearing bummier kind of 90 styles clothes. Mm. And, and he kind of just put everything into the role. Um, and, and he gave a lot to Ashlyn. Like he'd, he'd always be kind of slipping a little extra lines of dialogue. Like we'd start rolling a little bit early. I'd say, I'm just going to roll. And, and he'd start kind of like saying a couple of little weird kind of Tyler-esque things to her. And 
and she'd kind of respond and and you know a lot of that stuff kind of made the film so um it was um it was a great experience working with him there's definitely a chemistry between them two you could definitely see it on screen um there are moments in the film that like very playful like um scenes where for example we're in cooper pd around the fire you know doing star jumps and just messing around um stuff like that do you have both um actors hang out with one another first to try to see if that chemistry is there before you even start rolling film? Um, I, I, as soon as I kind of saw them, that there was chemistry between them. Like they're just great human beings and, and, and they both really wanted to make the film. They had a lot of heart and they really wanted to kind of do the film. We'd, um, we'd rehearsed a couple of the scenes um, in pre-production but it kind of can't really prepare you till you're you're on set and you're kind of there for the magic. Mm. Um, there, there was one scene where we were filming and um, we were filming Cupidpedia and it was it was a day scene. I thought, man, I swear it was like 50 degrees. It was so hot, and George had to dance in front of um Ashland to kind of make her happy, and there was no cover for him. It was just out in the heat, and you know the character doesn't wear a hat or anything like that. So he had to dance three times. You know, you know, I got three takes of it, and um, and I was like he kind of dropped on the floor and he was so exhausted from heat and, and, you know, dehydrated. And, um, and I said, Oh, can we, we're gonna have to go again. And he just jumped up, leapt up and, and was dancing there again, you know, tr- giving it 110%. I, I couldn't believe it. And then, you know, an hour later, I find him in the makeup um, cabinet and he's um, in the, in the makeup tent. He's on his, he's on his, he's on the ground with his legs up in the air. And I thought, geez, I've killed my, my lead actor. <laughs> that scene I actually made note of that scene in particular in regards to the chemistry because that's the scene where um Ashlyn mimics his movements right um you see is is um George actually dancing off camera as well and where Ashlyn can kind of mimic the movements that he's doing yeah yeah that that was the extra take that we had to do he was dancing off and I kind of thought I could do it you know but I just look ridiculous and and he just they had a real real special connection so um he ended up doing it. So they say never work with kids and animals. From all accounts, working with kids was fantastic, but there's a character in the film, a rabbit by the name of Bacon. What was it like working with a, a, a rabbit in a, in a movie? Um, first, I think we did everything wrong for the first film. You know, we, we shot over three states, 30,000 kilometres. We, we shot with a 1960s Datsun and, and we had to get that across the state and I don't know what we were thinking. It was it was insane. Um, but the the rabbit was really really cool. Um, it, it's definitely a character in itself in the film. But man, we had to get it onto a train, so it has to hop off a platform and onto a train. Mm. And I mean, I, I'd never really worked with trains before filming, and it is just so frustrating. Let alone like getting the train going forward and bring it back, and 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 um, and then it's nineties as well, so everything's got to look nineties in the frame. Right. And and oh god, it was just it was um it was a nightmare. But the um the rabbit made it in there, so I'm I'm pretty happy about that. You mentioned the film is set in the nineties, specifically 1999. Why that time period for this film? Um, yeah, I, I don't know because no one really slapped me and said, "Wake up to yourself, we don't have money for this." <laughs> um, but um, I I love the nineties. I kind of grew up in the nineties, yep. and I love the clothes. I love I love the way people speak. You know, um, it, it's it's got this real grittiness for me in, in film. Um, and plus, I guess it kind of fits in the context of, of the story, you know, like nowadays you can kind of go on GPS and, 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 you know, 
call anyone and find anything. So it kind of made sense in the context of the film. And I, I, that's what I was thinking as well. I mean, so many films these days do feature characters on social media, on their phones, et cetera. And it's only so many times a character can say, oh, I can't get a signal. I think it's pretty cool that you could just get a kind of sidestep or that and base it in a, a time period um, in 1999, which I also grew up in the 90s, so I can really appreciate the music and the fashion and everything that the, the film had. Um, you mentioned before taking the film on the road. You guys did go everywhere. Um, Broken Hill, Cooper Pedy, uh, Dubbo, the Flinders Ranges. You also shot in, in uh, the city of Sydney as well. Um, taking an indie project on the road, the logistics behind all of that, they would have been quite brutal, I, I imagine. Um, you as a director, as a film, as, a, as the filmmaker and as the, the leading author of this film, I imagine it will be up to you really to kind of keep spirits high and such to make sure that your cast and crew uh, are there are, um, in, the, in the moment when any moment will come, especially considering that in places like Cooperpedia it will get very hot to be flies everywhere and could get really hard to shoot at times. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was terrible. Um, you know, I think Jimmy and myself kind of approached the whole film with um we we're kind of transparent about what we had and you know it was a bit of a passion project with a lot of heart like i put up my apartment um you know to, to kind of fund it and um and i guess we're always kind of honest and try to be as open about things as as, as we could so we mm. kind of I, I guess and we got really lucky with the crew we had um Jimmy really surrounded me with some um, top-notch kind of crew members like Glenn. I'd worked with Glenn, the DOP, a couple of times. Um, so um, we are kind of really lucky like that. And I feel like everyone kind of came together. We, we, we definitely had our challenges, um, but the crew was very kind of forgiving with us. This is a truly independent project. Um, you actually shot the film, I think it was a 2019. Is, is that correct? Yes, I think, yeah, I, I believe so. And last year he did the whole festival run. Now you've got Australian audiences um, ready to watch it in cinemas on Thursday. Um, so it's been a really long journey, um, this movie. What's it like now to know that the film's going to be released to general audiences and um, now people are going to watch your film? Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Like, talking about a long journey, like, even stepping, you know, onto into pre-production, we, we kind of... You don't even think you have enough money like oh this is going to fall flat and then suddenly you're on set and you're shooting you're like okay well maybe i'll just get to the end of the week and and you kind of get to the end of the month and 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 you know it keeps going and then you're in post-production and you're like wow okay we did the shoot but then kind of covid affected us and mm. I, I guess the thing i really want to do like I, I just wanted to make a film you know i love i love cinema and i kind of always was really passionate about it and always wanted to do one so i guess you know, we, we were going through um, some film festivals, but no one was really picking us up because they were all shutting down or mm -hmm. anyone who was taking on film fest films were, um, they were dropping their content from like 200 to like 20 films. And, uh, you know, it just how do you compete with these things? So I, I think Jimmy and I kind of looked at ourselves one day and said, well, look, we made a film, you know, no one's going to see it, but we, we gave it our best shot. But then we, we kind of started getting... Um, we got a call from a German film festival and then a Polish one. And then just the ball started rolling and people started seeing it, which was just such a highlight. And now to have it in Australia and in cinemas in Australia and seeing the, the billboards and seeing the posters, just is, it's such an amazing feeling, you know, like I, I feel like I really owed it to the actors um, in, in the film to, to kind of get it seen. So I feel, we feel really proud 
And you should be proud. I mean, this film's going to look terrific on a big screen. The photography is excellent. The performances are excellent. And Kurt, you've done an excellent job here. So for everyone listening, this Thursday, the 22nd of April, Moon Rock for Monday. I highly recommend go out there, check out this film, support Australian film, support Australian filmmakers. And Kurt Martin, I thank you again for your time. And again, man, congratulations. You really knocked it out of the park here with your uh, feature film debut. And I can't wait to see uh, what you've got next. Man, thank you so much for the kind words and thank you for having me.